Filmmakers, it's time to use Soldo. Soldo is a payment solution that replaces petty cash given to employees and production assistants when in prep, on set or in post-production. Soldo is a multi-user expense account that helps you control business spending. You can give Soldo cards to some or every employee, to entire teams or even contractors instantly. Transfer funds to all card holders and you can use Soldo for free for three months with the code FilmmakersPod. Soldo.com. Listen for more info in today's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. Welcome to the, the Filmmakers, Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to fuck it up. In our very, very humble opinion, I am Charles Alderson and you are Dom Lenoir. Thank you so much for joining us, you wonderful, wonderful listeners. We have for you the stars of Serrano. It is Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Peter Dinklage. Oh yeah. Kelvin Harrison Jr. has starred in some fantastic movies, including uh, Monsters of Men, It Comes a Night, Waves, Loose, Trial of the Chicago 7, the fantastic TV series Godfathers of Harlem, and Startup, just to name a few. And he is pretty much one of the leads in Serrano as well. And Kelvin was brilliant. He was really fun and open, and we had a right good chat with him. What it's like working with other actors, what it's like working with directors, and what it's like filming in Sicily. We also talk about approaching characters and adapting to the director's vision. And he also talks about what it was like working on a musical and making a film in Italy with the legend Joe Wright. And it was such a delight to chat to Peter Dinklage. Uh, just come back from his lunch, so uh, that was always a pleasure. Uh, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trademarked. Dink, dink lunch. Dink lunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then the fantastic Peter Dinklage, we talked why he wanted to do Serrano in the first place. Obviously, he was in the stage play that his wife, Erica Schmidt, had written. So he'd starred in that with Hayley Bennett. Uh, he talked about his singing background as well. He talks about why you would like to work with certain directors, what it's like rehearsing fight scenes, and what you want from a director. He also talks about his producing work, because he's also a producer, and what it's like prepping for a role. Ah, yes. You guys are going to love this one. Actors out there, this is for you. Directors, this is what it's like working with superstars such as Kelvin and Peter. But speaking of actors, what would you look for? Because we talk a little bit about in the episode about what directors, what they look for with Joe Wright last week. And then the actors mm. hear what they look for in directors in a project. What do you look for, Dom, in an actor? And is there any tips you can give actors out there approaching uh, directors and also directors approaching actors. I mean, I think it's a difficult one. If, if you've not seen someone, you've got to be pretty open-minded. You know, first first port of call, I guess, is auditions. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you can usually tell... I mean, I think for me, the first thing is whether it's truthful or not. I'm definitely a fan of internalised... Uh, emotion, like, I think it's certainly extremely important for certain roles. Maybe it's not as important for others. There are there are definitely certain films that are very entertaining where you don't 
actually have to go that far into that kind of territory and you can you can do a very interesting performance that, that isn't on that scale but certainly for drama that's that's the big thing for me and then I suppose if I haven't seen that from someone I might like to see a clip of them doing something in the territory they haven't done whether that's comedy or you know drama or anger or, or whatever I think I think that's important as well because you, you do like to sometimes you can see it straight away and sometimes you have to you have to sort of see it in something else to, to get an idea of, of what someone's capable of yeah it's fascinating isn't it you can sometimes tell from I never used to want to do reels I never asked someone to tape I'd rather I preferred it if we came in the room and had a chat and I got to know them but I think it was Lucinda who said, look, we haven't got all that much time to do this. Actually, have a look here. We just don't, because she was like, there's rehearsal time. You know, that means we've got to book a studio for longer because you're spending 20 minutes with each person who might not be right. Hmm. Check out their video first, get them to do a tape. And actually what that made me do was, it really did help hone it. So interestingly, you go, oh yeah, they're not right. So actually, let's not waste too much of the time bringing them in and spending their time traveling in hmm. to an audition. Uh, you see the tape, you go, okay, that's not right. And it might not be performance. It might not be look. It hmm. might, it just, something doesn't connect. But often I found the ones that I connect with straight away, I go, yeah, that, that's incredible. Yeah. I really love that. And then when you're in the room with them, I go, now I want them, you know what I mean that it's theirs to lose if you know what I mean I've kind of I've already picked my top five so it's up for them to battle it out and I'll probably have ten in for that recall or whatever someone might surprise you as well and mm. do something even more incredible but I look for exactly what you look for Dom is believability I want them to be truthful yeah. and actually I look I look for lies I look yes. for when they're not yeah. telling the truth yeah it's easier to spot <laughs> or, or, or un unmotivated when, when when there's something mm. that's that's motivated because they you know and, and again there's there's plenty of top actors that 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 are perfectly good at, at doing the, that that kind of style but but i guess for me i i do tend to look at like whether something's motivated in you know from from an inside emotion or, or something that sort of connected them to the story and i, I guess that becomes because the end result for me is is for someone to feel something and i think you know for that to be correct it has to be authentic inside the actor um and how mm. they're translating and connecting to the material so i guess that's always my thing and, and you know as you said like if, if you can avoid wasting anyone's time by you know seeing at least enough to warrant getting them in the room first you know mm -hmm. doing, doing things over zoom that's that's a good step for saving money for actors and travel and you know saves yes. your time as well and that and then mm -hmm. yeah when they get in the room then they've got the chance to do something and you know, I think uh, I think just going back to your other point, I think looking for truthfulness, but with something slightly unexpected, uh, and I, I don't mm, mean making nice. a crazy, don't making like crazy, crazy choices. But I mean, sometimes you can see someone that just does like the absolute standard, sad, happy, you know, whatever, and they might be very similar to someone else that, that has that range as well. So sometimes it's combining that into something that's just a bit quirky that makes you think, oh, okay, this is a unique person I haven't come across before and that's when the character really inhabits life yeah so true i think it's really hard for actors because they've suddenly got to learn a load of dialogue and then try and do that on zoom or on a tape with a mate or their phone in the corner it, it's yeah. really tough try and remember all those lines let alone trying to get nuances of performance yeah but i'm i'm always up for do you know what you don't need to know it all you don't need to learn it 
or learn a section of it, be the best mm. at that section, because I'll see something in you and bring you in. If you're not great at learning lines, if you're not great at auditions or in the, it's really tough. I mean, that's that's a that's a really good point. And, and actually, I, I mean, I, I saw some kind of article last last year uh, talking about this idea, like why why do actors have to learn, you know, huge swathes of lines? I mean, mm. you know, obviously it's a useful useful thing when you come to shooting, um, but in a way, like I'd rather you gave them, you know, a 30 second or a minute scene that has maybe two or three different characteristics that they can transition to and they, they really focus and, and, and make that incredible than to see them, you mm-hmm. know, do a, do a sort of a, an averagely good performance of, you know, three scenes with a, a whole bunch of stuff to learn when they're trying to juggle getting home from, you know, their other job and, you know, all this mm-hmm. other stuff. There's just not enough time for it and you're not getting to see the best of that person. Whereas, you know, if, if the memory isn't at least, you know, at the former, forefront of what they're struggling with, then they can performance on the, uh, focus on the performance. I agree. I think it's it sometimes it becomes a battle of who can learn the lines the quickest do you know what I mean and the best mm. and it's like it's not about that so I, I sometimes like to give them scenes that have hardly any dialogue at all where mm. they're just listening and then they say a little bit and then maybe there's another one where they've got a bit more dialogue but it, you want to see what they can do give them a chance to do that is what I say to directors out there and also these days there's all these prompts that you can put on your phone where you can put the whole script on it you know, mm. you, you can put the sides that you've, you'd so you don't have to learn them. You can sort of say learn them a little bit, but so you can, you know, like a teleprompter. What about the other way around then? How do you approach actors as the director? I mean, I suppose it de- depends if they're. I suppose it depends what what kind of what kind of role you're approaching for. I mean, if it's if it's through an agent, I mean, you sort of go through the, you know, the usual thing is how, how do you, you know, what what is going to attract them to working with you? And uh, I suppose it comes down mm-hmm. to why you personally think that the, the role fits them, what you enjoy about their work, why you're you're going to be a you know sort of a decent level production for for the agent and the actor to mm-hmm. take a take a risk on. And then I you know I guess other than that, it sort of comes down to script, doesn't it? If you're if you're approaching someone that you you want that's that's a high level, you're just going to make sure your script's in a in a really good place. Uh, and if it is, then that's it. Script is so important. It's so key. But I've I've some of my productions I've written letters to actors saying why I'd like them to be in the part. There's so many ways you can approach actors, I think. It is about you having the best project you can and if you've got an agent going through that route, if you know someone who knows them, try that route. But, you know, there's the stories of someone who left a package outside Michael Caine's house all wrapped up in a beautiful bow. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not saying stalk Michael Caine, but I'm saying, you but know, you if you've got to get your project to these people, you've <laughs> kind of... But I kind of am, and I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, do something. That's mm. a great story. If you came on a podcast and said that, you'd be like, fair play, fair play. So you got to do what you can to get your films made and get it to the right people, because that's what gets your films made. So, Without further ado. Yeah, without further ado, for the important part of this show. First of all, who should we go to? Should we have Peter or Kelvin? Who should we go first? Let's, uh, let's, take, let's start with Kelvin. Great, let's start with Kelvin. Here it is. Sit back. Enjoy this brilliant chat, myself and Dom, and Kelvin Harrison Jr. Hey, Kelvin, how are you? Good, you? Good, buddy. Very good. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Are you in London? 
yes. right now, right? Yes. Uh, have you been before? Because obviously you're here doing the press, but have you, you passed through before? Yeah, I always pa I just pass through. <laughs> I never get a chance to actually settle pass down, through. but it's always right. doing when I'm doing these junkets and stuff, so, which is always a treat, you know? Yeah, no, I know. We, we, we live here and we, it's still a treat for me. Yeah. I still love London. It is yep. still a treat, especially where you are now. It's a lovely place. So, it is yeah, great. It is great. Enjoy. Uh, congrats on Serrano, man. We, we loved it especially your performance. It's strong, it's striking, you know, it's fascinating, interesting. Yeah, it must have been a joy when it, it came to you, when it first was, you know, even mooted that this could be a conversation, especially with Joe Wright directing. Yeah, man, I think, um, first of all, I couldn't believe Joe wanted me to be in this movie. <laughs> I was kind of shocked when he told me, he was like, Joe wants to Zoom you. I was like, who's pranking me? Um, <laughs> um, but it was it was cool and I had never heard of Cyrano before. So I read the original stage play and then um, I was like, I don't know what happened because <laughs> the language was so dense and so then they sent me Erica Schmidt's adaptation and I was like oh wow I really have a, a interpretation of Christian now and, and I, I told, told Joe about it and I just fell in love with his innocence and his you know his his sincerity and his ability to just be so trusting to those around him and I really mm -hmm. admired it in some ways and wanted to kind of get back to that place and within me and and then try to channel that for Christian um, so yeah, I was, I was excited. I was excited. It was cool. Yeah, no, it totally must've been. I think, I, I think that's fascinating. You mentioned that his innocence, because a lot of the characters you play are very on edge. They're exciting. They're informative. Whereas Christian is very much, he's, he falls in love and that's his mission. And he, like you say, trusts everyone around him. Like you mentioned that, how did you get into that mindset? How did you and Joe, you know, work those angles to, to, to find that place for the character. Yeah, I think it was just, um, it was taking some of the subtext out. Because I think with those right. other roles and those other characters, there's so much about what's not being said. And with Christian, it's, it's exactly what's being said. If he's saying it, that's what he means, and there's nothing else to it. And if he hears it, it's exactly, he takes it literally. Everything is mm -hmm. literal. Until he starts to recognize that, I think when Christian kind of goes, well, you know, I don't want to be deceitful. Once he goes mm -hmm. on that journey, he's doing something that's against his authentic self and against what makes him feel true. Then he starts to have a little bit more of a dialogue within himself. But before then in his life, I don't think that's ever happened. So a lot of it was just um, being just being the guy, just taking everything as, as fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it must have been it must have been quite challenging because you, you certainly start off as like a character that's sort of very sure of himself. And, and ironically, the, it sort of starts out as this innocent love. And then then obviously it gets complicated with uh you know when, with peter dinklage's character and and how you get immersed in that i mean it's quite a powerful ending like were you expecting that as you were sort of reading through the script and like where your character arc was going i was hoping for it i think i was reading it and i was like oh man i love how just sweet he is but also i was like i really hope he has a moment to 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 say his piece and to say how he actually feels about this because in a lot of ways you know he was he was put into a situation he didn't want to be in. And I think he, he I don't think he <laughs> likes it, but I think once again, it goes back to that trusting thing is that he really trusts this guy. He really trusts, you know, Cyrano. And I, I think he looks at him as a friend. He says it, he said, we're going to, I believe we're going to be the best of friends. And he believes that. So it is, it's disappointing yeah. <laughs> by the time we get to it and, and to kind of go, oh, well, this wasn't what I thought it was. And to have that shift, that loss of innocence is, I think we all have that moment when we come of age and we kind of go whoa <laughs> like 
right. <laughs> I can't actually be friends with everybody and I can't actually trust everybody. I have to protect me and, and, and honor myself in my daily interactions and in how I, I interact with those I love. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. I think that's, it is something, you know, certainly when I was at university or going through those that age that your character is i was like i want everyone to like me why don't they and I, you you go through that journey and it's fascinating the older you get you sort of go oh oh you realize that not everyone is going to like you and you've got to find your own path and i think that's perfectly worded there you know about christian there your character where he's he's struggling at that point in his life and the turn happens you know that disappointment for him how do you cope with playing something like that what's your journey do you map it out in terms of okay at this point i want this to happen i'll start thinking about this then how, how do you as an actor approach something like this a lot of it happens in well you know i obviously did my prep before i got there and i had this mm -hmm. whole idea of it and I, I knew this i knew this general shape i was like comes into a new town and I understood that to an extent because I was like, okay, well, Peter and Haley have done this play before, Erica, Joe, they all, you know, the couples thing. And I was like, I'm going to be the new guy. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's how I'm going <laughs> to approach that first half. Second uh -huh. half, the friendship. I was like, well, these are the beats that need to happen. These are the relationships that make sense. Siren and Christian are their brothers. And be because both of them feel misunderstood, Roxanne, both the girl that we admire and love. Um, but do we actually know her that well? Do I want to get to know her? You know, you mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions. Um, and how do I prove myself that I'm worthy enough? And, and do I trust Cyrano and him telling me that I am, but also I want to show, I, I also know I want to be loved for my authentic self. So mm. trying to have that, that, that conflict going on. And by the end, I kind of shaped that out. But once we get to the rehearsals, it's so much about listening to the other actors and hearing their beats and what their characters are bringing to the table. Cause the movie doesn't work unless the trifecta works and unless you're complimenting what the other actors doing. So, um, you know, certain shifts like when we're doing the balcony scene and and Cyrano is basically, you know, I listen to the whole Overcome song and right. that's a big moment because I have to justify it to an extent. You know, he's yeah, sitting yeah. there and he's like, did I not hear the song? They love <laughs> <Yeah>. each other. Yeah, that was a really big, like, that was a really big moment, I think, for the more, the audience and your character because it's the first moment when he sort of doubts whether, you know, the, the ends justifies the means. Yes, exactly. And so these are the moments that kind of happen on the day where you kind of go, oh, okay, these 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 real time realizations about Christian, and that's when he's developing his maturity and his um and a new intellect, a new mindset, and that's coming from instinct, that emotional intelligence that a lot of us have, but now placing it in in context. I mean, I, th I think that that was one of the things that that I found quite moving in, in a way is that you know the the character is almost looking for this bravery with the woman, and, and actually in the end, it's it's in war that he finds that bravery, and I, I guess that's the kind of the tragedy of it as well is that he doesn't he doesn't sort of get it in the way that he expected, but it was it was certainly a surprise, and it, it was it was certainly a very moving way for it to go. But it's certainly a nice film in that it does tap on that kind of old style romance. I mean, it, it's it's something nice from sort of classical cinema to tap into. I'm sure. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really just you know it's always nice to kind of do the love scenes and to climb up the little pipes to go kiss the girl. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just real, it's classy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not yeah. climbing a pipe, why bother? <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. I mean, why would, if you, come on, what a, what a gesture. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about working with Joe Wright then um, and your 
relationship there and how that can develop and generally working with directors and what you like and don't um, and what works for you. We're a filmmaking podcast, so we, we focus on what it's like on set and how that works. So what what's your process? And we'll start with Serrano and working with Joe on this and then maybe we can develop into other parts as well. Um, but what, what do you like from a director and what worked? With Joe. I think the first thing, even when I'm in the Zoom, even though I was thrilled to have Joe call me, I was still like, but now, Joe, you have to explain to me why I need to be in this movie because I don't want to, <laughs> you know, my biggest thing is if I'm not supposed to be there, I don't want to be there. I want the oh, best yeah. guy to get the role that serves your vision. Mm. So what is your vision? And he really mm. painted it, painted it out for me beautifully. And I, I think, you know, he really, he was really interested in and um, just the vulnerabilities of of men. And 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 our um the how need to want to put up a facade or to to have a certain bravado and, and thinking that's the only way to get the girl, but ultimately do we always actually think that about ourselves and getting into that psychology and that was really fascinating. And so when we were on set, uh, you know, it was a lot of it's just like figuring out. How do we make Cyrano de Bergerac make sense? How do we bring this modern take to it all? And I think that's where Erica and Peter come in a lot because they did do this stage production and it did, it felt, you know, it was very different from the movie from what they've told me and from what I've seen of the pictures and stuff like that. And I think they brought a, a grounding to it and to Joe's fantastical world. So mm -hmm. it was always a collaboration in asking questions and, and trying different things. And I think particularly working with me, you know, I come from an indie background, so mm -hmm. it was really hard for him to, you know, <laughs> probably make me get into like certain a certain blocking. Like some days we would show up and he'd be like, well, because of the shot and in order to have this shot, the blocking is set this way and the actor has to kind of justify mm -hmm. these beats. I come from a world where the camera is going to follow me wherever I go. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I can yeah, just live yeah, in the yeah. moment. And yeah. so that was a challenge. And so it, we got to a point, Joe and I, where he was just like, well, you know, I've I'm I'm used to. Um, I'm used to working a certain way and I've had to relearn how to work with you. <laughs> and it's been, he's, he said it was a privilege and I was like, I'm glad it was a privilege and not like a pain. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh my God, this guy can't stand still. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was, it was a masterclass in so many ways because you start to understand the, the power and the intention behind blocking and mm. how it propels a story and how beats play into movement and how we set up a shot so that we can get these beautiful landscapes to tell a larger story for the audience subtly because he says he's very specific this guy I mean like from like there'll be certain scenes he'll be like that candle needs to be blown out and only these two need to be lit and I was like I, I would have never noticed it but that's why <laughs> you're the director Joe yeah. <laughs> so to, does, does that require like more in terms of prep time and, and you know is, is it easier if you do the blocking like well ahead so you can if you're going to somewhere that you your character doesn't sort of naturally think about going you can create a justification that works and that kind of thing yeah I mean like the for example the poetry salon scene we actually originally was on a bell tower in Sicily and Haley and I doing rehearsals went up with Joe and the and DP um, Seamus McGarvey and we blocked the entire thing. We blocked it. We, we worked out the beats of the scene and it didn't work. And so we tried it again a different time. It didn't work. And then by the time we got to this new location, um, it was beautiful. Uh, we kind of had, we used all of the different beats that we had before. Things that did work, things that didn't work, and we kind of found a new scene. So 
a lot of it is um, sometimes the, the blocking ahead of time really helps. Um, sometimes it can feel like it's it, it, it's limiting, but I think that's the that's where the collaboration takes place between someone as brilliant as Joe, but also trusting his actors that they know their characters and that they you know they've done the work as well and that they are inspired in that moment because that's the biggest thing. It's like. To make choices without inspiration, why? You know? So yes. it's making inspired choices collectively to, to make a scene work. I like that. In terms of the singing then, because obviously you have sang before uh, in your films, you have uh, certainly expressed vocal talent, shall we say, uh, in your films as well. What You know, here you've got to hold, you know, this is a full kind of musical in a way in a certain sense, and you've just got to hold the thoughts and process while you're singing. How did you process that how did you learn to you know like joe's been very specific so you necessarily can't move about so you're in this blocked area how was your process to connect thoughts within the singing world and the musical side of things yeah that was actually really challenging and i think what i did was i started to when i prepped the scenes i would make sure that i did the scene um and i work with um whoever i was reading with off camera when i was practicing and then i would do the songs as a monologue as nice. if I was saying saying the song to mm. Peter. And I think sometimes I would even practice it with Peter. I, I would just say the words. I think in rehearsals, we used to do it sometimes as well. And I think it really allowed us to get back to finding those connective tissues and grounding it so that it's coming from a real place and that the emotional truth is always there and that the story beats are, that it's growing in its storytelling because, you know, every moment has to be, I think about it in musical terms, has to crescendo in a lot of ways, you know? Mm. That element was there. And also Joe would always tell me just to keep it economic because there's always, you know, as actors, we want to throw everything in there. You know, I want, I want to have this moment and this moment, and then it's going to be this shift. And then this beat happens because I realized this and da, 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 da. And he's like, all right, but tighten it up. Because sometimes, you know, we can run through a thought and it keeps it more interesting. Or, or if we, if we, it, the pauses are more meaningful when you find the right places for them. Um, some stuff we don't actually need. So a lot of it was just tightening up the space and, and, uh, and, and allowing, uh, allowing us doing the prep once again, and then allowing the scene to kind of just happen. I like that. Uh, you you also, you know, you mentioned earlier about working on these indie films and Waves is a perfect example, Loose, uh, and it comes at night in fabulous films, really indie, and you're brilliant in them. What is it you look for in those projects? What is it in a script that stands out and also the director, I suppose? What is it that you want that makes you want to do these, these roles? I think for me, it's always uh, confidence in the director. I think I really need them to have a clear vision and perspective and point of view on what they're trying to tell. This, listen, any script, I could read it. Every, actors all know this. This is why we do auditions is that not necessarily that act, every actor that comes in is bad, you mm -hmm. know, if they don't get the job. It's just they, they had a point, a perspective that just didn't necessarily align. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the same I ask of the director is like, what is your point of view? Do you have one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you don't, then, you know, I don't know. <laughs> if you do, then allow me to see if my <laughs> interpretation aligns with yours. So I think same goes with Waves. You know, Trey and I had a relationship after it comes at night and Waves was was more um, collaborative than most because I helped develop the script with them. Nice. Um, and so that that felt very intimate. And so we just had a, a language, you know, that was unspoken in a lot of ways. Of um, yeah. And we're also very close as friends. And then, you know, Loose with Julius was also, it was once again, it came back to Julius has an idea of, of Loose. 
and my interpretation of Luz served his idea. And then it becomes, here, give me all the prep materials that you want to see as an actor. I'll read the books. I'll look at the interviews. And then I'll start to create the character and dress him. But um, it starts with those roots in the ground and the trunk of the tree. And then I'm going to put the ornamentation on the leaves. You know, it's like Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> Christmas, every Christmas every day. Every Christmas day. every day, baby. Brilliant, brilliant. You, uh, interestingly, uh, you left school to sort of start your life as an actor. It'd be really interesting to talk about that real quick and also what advice to other, you know, up and coming creatives would you give at this stage? And looking back, do you think it's the right thing? Uh, you know, what would you suggest? really interesting yeah. um yeah let's go i went to school for marketing because you know i i <laughs> i didn't i didn't know what i didn't think i didn't know how i didn't know how people were in movies it didn't really make sense to me <laughs> all i knew is in, <laughs> in new orleans i would see trailers outside and they'd be like there's a movie shooting i was like in that little trailer i was like i don't get it <laughs> but um yeah I, I quit i started once i found out i started day playing and then weekly playing and i was mm. making money to pay for school so i was like Amazing. this is kind of dope yeah. and one thing led to the next next thing i was in puerto rico shooting a show called Startup mm. and I dropped out of school in my last semester and I was like I guess this is going to be my career luckily it worked out the next year I got it comes <laughs> at night and um, and so on and so forth but I think um, I, it's specifically to this generation of actors I would say it's like you know I, th I think we grew up in this time because what I, my thinking was was like okay I have to go to college because I have to have a, a, a career I have to get a degree so I can make money and, and it becomes so much about survival and life is not meant to just be about survival. It, survival plays a part in it, but we should enjoy it and it should be playful. And I think, you know, especially on this particular movie, Pete shared with me, he's like, you young actors take yourself so seriously. He said, I love that you know all your lines, but it's play have fun. And so mm -hmm. I guess what I realized, I didn't do all those years. I, I did not have fun most of the time. I was obsessed with being great. I was obsessed mm -hmm. with learning with everything I had. I was obsessed with making the best choices with mm -hmm. the best directors. I don't regret it. I met great people. And I think that work ethic, you know, in some ways paid off. And I think it led me to being in this movie, but taking it a lot lighter and enjoying the process. It's, it's, it's a gift to be able to be in this business. So recognize that and live amazing uh, you're a legend amazing advice. amazing thank you so much calvin really appreciate you. your time good luck real pleasure Solano. yeah appreciate you guys too it's nice talking to you nice yeah talk great to you. chat see you later Take calvin care. all the best you too peace bye bye bye, bye. bye. As most of you know, a couple of weeks ago, we introduced our new sponsor, Soldo. And we had on one of our listeners, Teddy, who is an accountant who wants to make feature films. Now, Tobias, you have been in touch with said Teddy. Yes, we actually became really good friends over the last couple of weeks. And he started wow. using the service of Soldo and saved so much time that he managed to write the first draft of his first ever feature film script. I'm very proud of Teddy and I hope your friendship lives long and forever because before Soldo, tracking and controlling spent meant risky credit cards, out-of-pocket employees and endless paperwork. Now there's a brighter way to pay for your software, your travel expenses and your food while you're making your feature films or your TV productions. It's also three months free, free, three months to free just, just Soldo. Put a four in there. How do you mean? <clears throat> Let me do it. You get three months for free using the promo code FilmmakersPod. Links to that are in the show notes. I'm looking forward to reading Teddy's scripts. Will you send it to me? I certainly will. Brilliant. Uh, what's what's the film called, by the way? Uh, it's called uh, The Accountant. Brilliant. I mean, that's... That makes sense. It, 
It makes sense, right? Yeah. Write what you know. We always say that on this podcast. Yeah, right? that's, why, that's why he wrote it that way. He's a yeah. legend. I look yeah. forward to hearing more about Teddy's escapades. And we will fill you in on all that as he's using Soldo along the way. Let's get back to the episode, shall we? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So there we are. That was Kelvin. What a joy he was. What a superstar he's going to be. He's just going to be huge. Uh, I think that's amazing. Uh, and good for him and some really interesting points there I love how he approaches um, characters I love how he does that and also I found out some information about him he dropped out of school uh, to become an actor just like Giles um, at an early age <laughs> just <laughs> like me so we're the same person really I think I think he's going to have a huge career it's going to be yeah. amazing right let's get on to Peter Dinklage shall we the star of Game of Thrones Three Billboards Station Agent and X-Men Days of Future Past I care a lot Between Two Ferns the movie which is a, a, a classic <laughs> actually it's incredibly funny <laughs> so funny <laughs> I love that Oh, he's fantastic. He's a brilliant guy. He also stars as Serrano in Serrano, which is in cinemas now. Go watch it. Uh, be blown away by the epic, beautiful scenery and the gorgeous performances and stunning directing. Here he is, the legend that is Peter Dinklage on the Filmmakers Podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Maybe stand and relax if you like standing. Could be better for your posture. Just a, just a thought there. Love that. Here it is, Peter Dinklage, everyone. Hey, hey. Hey, guys. How are you doing? I'm good. Excellent. I'm good. Where are you guys? Are you in London somewhere? Yeah, we're in London. We're in London. Yeah. Bitterly insane. cold London. Yeah, bitterly yeah. cold. Not Italy, um, but no. bitterly cold. <laughs> I, I love this town, though. Oh, isn't it amazing? Yeah, I mean, you must be here quite a bit. Yeah, especially this time of year. Boy, oh boy, you do it right. To be honest, I don't know what we do. We just sort of get away with it. Everyone yeah. seems to like the snow, the sort of the cold. We're, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's much more of a... Uh, I don't know something that other Christmas-y. people like. <laughs> it's very, very Christmassy, fe- very festive. Very yeah, festive this I take it you've seen all the Christmas lights and stuff in Oxford Street oh, yeah. and around there. Can't avoid and, them. That's oh, oh, brilliant. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. Well done on the film. We loved Thank it. Thank you. You yeah. were incredible in the role as well. Thanks. Really guys. loved it. Good. Uh, so yeah, like we say, we loved it. We thought you were fab, and we we wanted to talk to you about process and uh, why this role. Why obviously you've done it on stage um, with Erica and stuff uh, with your wife, yeah. who'd written the, the the stage play. But what appealed to you about this role in the first place? What was it that made you want to do this, and then made you want to do a film version of it as well? Well, the first big thing for me was Erica Schmidt, our adapter, original stage director, and mm. screenwriter. She got rid of the nose. I mean, and. Mm. I feel like for me, it was always, it's a great production, a great story, but personally it was always an actor and a fake nose. And that sort of, I don't know, just from my corner of the sandbox, that kind of always took me out of it just a little bit because I know everything that we do is pretend and make believe. And I love prosthetics and all these things. And I've done a number of those things myself Mm -hmm. of changing how I look and all of that. But here was a guy who was, felt he was unworthy of love because he had a big nose. And as soon as Erica removed that from the storytelling, it I felt like it suddenly spoke to everybody. And I don't think my my size is a substitute for the nose because Erica didn't write it for me. She didn't write it for anybody unique physically. So it just sort of, it just suddenly it, it spoke to more. 
and we didn't sit in judgment of this uh, chap who has a has a has a big nose, um, much like the other characters do. Because I think there's an element where, as an audience member, you do do a bit of that because there's a, there's a separation between yourself and the character. And as soon as you remove the nose or whatnot, you uh, you can relate to it, I think, or and everybody can in a strange way. And then she had the bright idea of turning the the the, the long speeches of love into love songs. Mm. She got one of my favorite bands, The National, to do to collaborate with her, and I, it just. It just and then Joe Wright, amazing director, serendipitously came to see the show to support his partner Haley Bennett, who played Roxanne, mm-hmm. and fell in love with Erica's stage production and wanted to make a movie of it. And it just it all just made perfect sense because Joe has such a real real eye for the visual and the and the and the, and the, and the and at the same time a love of the actors. Um, and it just shows in his films. Mm. And uh, it was right. It was right for this story, having seen his other films. There's mm-hmm. definitely, definitely an incredible pace, and, and I think a lot of it's down to your, your performances. Always feel very, um, very engaged and, and in motion, and, and also the, the camera work and, and the music, of course. How did things for you? Because obviously you've done the, the theatre one. What, what was some of the, the main changes in terms of how the, the film was approached? Uh, maybe with that collaboration with Joe, maybe in the script as well. With film, you're afforded a, a greater sense of intimacy in terms of what you're going through and 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 you know the in theater you get to choose what you look at and usually you're looking at the broad canvas of of the stage and in, and in movies the director and editor gets to choose who you're looking at um during a scene and i find that to be really really fun and and, and intimate and oftentimes joe would be on the face of the person listening rather than the one talking and i always find that to be often much more interesting to look at when you're when you're in a scene so yeah i i, I just felt like because it was so stripped down film even lent itself to that more to getting right up there up close and personal to all these characters that are going through uh, these these real emotional journeys. Yeah, so it's a bit of a no-brainer then, I suppose, because you've done it for quite a while on the stage to go, okay, well, if Joe Wright wants to turn this into a film uh, and Erica, your wife as well, who happens to, you know, she can adapt the screenplay of her yeah. own, you know, uh, musical play version of this. I mean, yeah. yeah, it sounds like, yeah, at the time you must have been like, yeah, this is this is a great idea. I'd, I'd love to Yeah, especially a family affair during the pandemic. We, mm. Everybody went over to Noto, Sicily, we it felt like the old days of, of really solving things creatively instead of financially under the restrictions of of the pandemic we were forced to make a film that way but you find a way yeah. and life finds a way and art finds a way and movie making finds a way and and our determination really saw us through i was i was so happy to be where everybody was so happy to be working again so it had that spirit infused in it as well yeah it was certainly a difficult time and so it's uh, it's amazing you're able to make this under those kind of conditions i mean in terms of your your sort of you know you've received the script um yeah was there much time for rehearsal on this i mean you mentioned there was a lot of solving problems did that was that due to uh, being quite short on the rehearsal time is that part of your usual process well, quite often some actors don't enjoy rehearsing for films mm. they like the spontaneity that it brings but for this one it was it was really and i understand that but for this one it was essential because we had a lot of fight choreography and we had singing, we had vocal lessons and all of that sort. So we had about a month and a half of long days doing both. But it's so, and at the same time, what's most beneficial to a core group like that is to just get familiar with each other. I had a head start with Haley because she had done the stage version. But, you know, when you're thrust into 
a new experience like that, it's really nice to become familiar with everybody and comfortable with everybody and learn everybody's sort of skill sets and, you know, and, and do the dance and, and rehearsals are, uh, are the opportunity to explore all that as well, let alone getting down all the singing and choreography down. Was that challenging, like balancing the, the choreography and the sort of the, the acting side of things, I suppose, and, and the singing? Yeah. I mean, the only real choreography I had was in the, in the fighting and the, in the stunt mm. coordination department. And that was just a great thrill mm. to, to sword fight in the beginning. And then in the middle somewhere, I fight off a bunch of guys and we had a great stunt team, Eunice Huthbart, our amazing stunt coordinator and her, her team just, you know, they just, they just were fantastic and they're great at making you feel safe and, and hopefully making you look a little cool. And you did. It's just because of them and the hard work right. they put into it. Yeah. Um, they're, they were really encouraging and supportive. Yeah. But you look brilliant. I love the fight scene on the stairs and all, it's just brilliantly well done. And it's very mm. Joe Wright as well in yeah. terms of his, I'm going to try and do this as a wanna type thing. It wasn't, mm. of course, but it yeah. had that feel about it. And it was just so well made. Because you have to, if you don't do it as a wonder, you're not really experiencing it like Cyrano's experiencing it. Mm. You're experiencing it as a, a moviegoer. And you want to like, you know, it's those great moments of when you do things in a wonder. It's like the wonder of children of men, the famous one. Mm. Um, yeah. Alphonse yeah. Caron does when they're in the car and they're being pursued by those, by those people and, yeah. Um, it, it's, they have to be done for a reason because you're going on a journey with the characters and mm. you have to experience it almost. And it's the closest way of experiencing it as the characters are experiencing it. If you cut away from it, you're, you're taken out of it a little bit. Mm. You're given a respite. You're given, a, you're given a break from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even if you cut between two different actors, you're given your, your subconsciously, you're given a, a rest from it. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be in these certain things. You shouldn't be. So it's just smart movie making. It's yeah. beautiful movie making, which means it must have been a little bit more difficult for you because obviously doing a fight scene and stuff, it's it's easy to cut away and go, okay, we'll get that shot, come around, get that shot, get that shot. Mm-hmm. And some big action stars like to shoot that way because it's natural yeah. for them. Right. And sometimes, sometimes you, you basically you have to for safety reasons. For sure. You know, for in sure. terms of, of stuff like that. Yeah. But here you, you're on wires and I imagine you've been pulled up and then you have to unclip and run around. Was re- was a lot of rehearsal gone into that choreography side for you and was, was at least sounds like it was a lot of fun, but you know, it'd be really yeah. interesting to hear it. Uh, now is fun, but the time. You all that on real sets and real locations. That was, we did that. We did it about 10 or so times because if you mess up, you got to start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we shot it at night, obviously. So, you know, yeah, we shot from about, 9am to the sun rose and and we we got about two two or three that were spot on and they just selected the best of the two or three one but it's it's certainly a lot of fun and and it's it's like going to the gym it's it feels good it's it's exhausting but you feel all the better for it yeah because you had done quite a bit of that work in Game of Thrones and some of the other work as well. A little you know, bit. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. But not, I feel like here, you really chon. And I thought, like we said before, it's just fantastic performance. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, if every other character is talking about what a skilled swordsman I am, I got to, you know, I got to. You've got to show up. I got to live up to that <laughs> reputation. Yeah. <laughs> Did that, I mean, obviously you've done it on stage as well, but obviously it is different on the film version. But in terms of rehearsal and working with directors, what is it you want from a director during that? point what is it you you hope to cling on to you always have to have the sense that they know exactly what they're doing at all times but at the same time they're not closed off to your interpretation and to your ideas 
about mm. possibilities of what we could make it into. That's the key to a really good director. You need to have somebody to, to support you and have your back and have questions, answers to your questions, but not be locked off in how they see it and unable to be open to other interpretations. Because filmmaking is completely, it's, it's director's art form, but it's all about collaboration. And it's all about what you bring to it as well. And if that's being overlooked, then that's not good. The strength, the strength and, and focus of a director does shouldn't mean overlooking everybody else's strength and focus. Great advice. It's not an oligarchy. It's a, it's a, it's a democracy. Yes. Yeah. Cause you also produce as well. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff on your slate that you are producing. Mm. Is that something for you that you always wanted to do more of? Yeah. I think it's not an uncommon story for an actor to start to want to get on things on the, on the, on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're an actor, you're brought in very late in the game. So much work has gone into the movie making process before you even get there, Indeed, yeah. before you're even cast mm. um, from, from script development to production design to costumes and everything. Um, we're just one part of a huge production. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm really curious and interested and wanted to get involved on the ground floor. And that's what my production company does. And we're producing a number of things in film and television. And I just, you know, I'm, st- I, I'm still quite often confused at what a producer does, but <laughs> what I know what a producer does, good producers do well is get really good people together, strong mm. work, people that will really collaborate very well. And um, team building. Yeah. Team basically. Yeah. Team building. I love it. Just as a, as a final, um, a final question to you, if, if you could give yourself any advice when you were starting out or any moments in your career where you felt really challenged that you'd give yourself some advice, could you uh, suggest anything for our audience? Uh, well, somebody once said that perseverance plus talent equals luck. And I think that's really true. I sort of doubted that when I was young, I thought I was a bit, I had a bit more of an edge to me and I thought, you know, it's like the Groucho Marx thing. I'd never want to be a member of a, a club, being a part of a club that would have me as a member, but it was like a flip of that. For me, it was, it was, I never want to be a part of that club because they don't want me as a member or they want me in a specific way. And I'm not interested in being that way because, because of my size, you know, you're, you're stereotyped quite often. And I just wasn't interested in doing that. So, hmm. um, but I, I would just tell myself to uh, just persevere and, stick with the tribe of, of fellow artists and writers and directors and actors that, that are supportive and uh, um, stick to it. Cause it, 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 it takes, it'll take a while, but be patient. It'll work out. You're a legend. Thank you so much for your time. Siran is yeah. amazing. You're brilliant in it. Congratulations. Thank you, Peter. We really enjoyed it. Thank you, gents. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Remember, you can go out there and make your movie. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. We will see you next Tuesday as always. See you all. Take care. Bye-bye. The Filmmakers Podcast is kept going by your generous support. To hear some bonus content from today's episodes and future content, subscribe to our Patreon.